Welcome to this week's episode of Pep Talk. Our mission here is to help 10 million people start a business of their own and make sure that no one feels alone doing it. So welcome today. I'm uh, lucky to have Marcus. He's the co-founder of Spoon Guru here to share his knowledge with us. Marcus, welcome. Hi, Simon. How are you? Good. It's so great to have you here. Would you mind kicking off by maybe telling the people listening a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, so, yes, yeah, so my name is Marcus Tripp. I'm the co-founder of Spoon Guru. We are a, a food search discovery platform. We help people find the right foods for whatever dietary requirements or health objectives they may have. And how did you uh, come up with this idea? We set up the company in 2015. Um, there's three co-founders. None of us are foodies. Um, but we literally stumbled across this problem people have when it comes to finding appropriate foods for their individual needs. My wife has a number of intolerances and allergies, and I saw her struggling in the supermarket, you know, once again, trying to decipher the back of a packet and trying to work out what an e for was, whether she could eat it or not. And, and I thought that in this day and age, this is just crazy that so many people um, out there with specific dietary needs, whether it's an intolerance or a lifestyle choice they've made, or even, you know, for religious reasons, a lot of people now around the world have very distinct and complex requirements, and um, it is very hard to find the right foods for your needs. So that's what we set up. That's what we set out to solve that specific problem. It really resonates with me uh, because my son, who's now three and a half years old, has 11 food allergies uh, and actually serious anaphylactic shock potential outcome if he eats the wrong food and mm -hmm. it is it is ridiculous when i'm looking at food products you cannot decipher what's actually in them even though it's in england anyway it's legal that you have to describe what's in them but it still gets covered up in you know um, cross-contamination for example or you know yeah. it really is hard to know so so this is such an important service so how did you go about building this business what were the first few steps when you realized the problem as soon as we, well, first of all, it's great to have a problem <laughs> um, because that, that gives you the North Star, right? If, you, if, you, if you've identified the problem, then you need to architect a solution, and, but, uh, but you've got a roadmap. Um, some companies approach it, approach it the other way around. They build, a prop, they, they build a solution and they're trying to find you know, the right market for it. Um, the problem we stumbled across was so obvious everybody i spoke to immediately said like you you know this is crazy why why has why is this so difficult and why has nobody else tried to solve it so <clears throat> i started discussing this problem with my neighbor who is the, the second co-founder in the company and the cto of the company and literally across the garden fence we discussed potential solutions and you know ai machine learning had come uh, a long way by that point and we realized you know, at the heart of this problem is unstructured data. And through, you know, the smart application of technology, we can probably make sense of unstructured data in order to help people find whatever it is they're looking for. You know, we didn't feel like we needed to create new products. You know, what we realized was the products are out there, the demand is out there for people to find those products, but what, what, what was missing was the bit in between. So we decided to effectively become a specialist search engine. When we started out, we called it Google for food because fundamentally that's what we do. You know, we are a specialist search engine that finds the right foods for you with 100% accuracy. And even Google at the time, my, you know, my, my wife, it was also great to have my wife. We called her user number one because 
we we knew we needed to build something that worked for her, you know, from a UX and UI perspective, but also from a from an accuracy perspective, from an accuracy perspective. And she made it very clear. She said, "I don't need another app that works a little bit." And to your point with your son, I mean, it's binary. It either works or it doesn't. There's zero margin for error. So she said, "I don't need another thing that works a little bit. I need something I can rely on because." I, you know, there are serious consequences if, if I eat something that doesn't comply with my with my health needs. So that's how we started out. We, we started discussing te technological solutions for this problem. And then we were joined by the third co-founder who is um, uh, who looks after the commercial activities of our business and how we, you know, fundraising and, you know, he, he, he wrote the business plan for us. And, and then we... Um, shopped it around you know we wrote a business plan very quickly and um and we shopped it around and within a few weeks we managed to get seed investment which was great and wow. then we resigned from our jobs and you know we've dedicated ourselves to solving this problem since 2015. it's a great story a good insight for people listening who want to start a business you know you talk to your neighbor over the fence and uh, <laughs> and you create a business right and, and and looking at your background i mean you were warner music group md quite a different job role to to this idea i feel like um yeah, was the transition hard to kind of quit that job and go for it? Was it again? A lot of people out there listening might be thinking of doing the same. Any any insights? You know, when I we were a little bit nervous about entering the a new industry of food and retail and 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 shopping um, because none of us, none of the co-founders, had any experience uh, in this area. But in many ways, it's turned into an advantage. And I even noticed that when I was at Warner Music, because I I, I, I lived through the digital transformation, you know, I joined the music industry as the bottom fell out, you know, Napster had just launched. Um, overnight, music became available everywhere for free. And um, we, you know, we 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 had to live with this transformation, make sense of new business models. But we also saw the disruption was driven by people from the outside. It wasn't it wasn't innovators from within um, that drove change. It was people like Daniel Egg from Spotify, you know, who came in and completely revolutionized the business model for us. So we took this learning and we're applying it now. You know, we're outsiders effectively coming into this industry, but we, we see what works and we see what doesn't work and we help the industry to innovate. I think there's a really crucial learning here for anyone listening, because I know a lot of people think I can only start a business in a sector I know well. And, and, and to your point, and history will tell you this, what you've just highlighted to be true is that most disruptors don't actually come from the industry i mean the saying is you can't put a fire out in a house from inside the house you know you, yeah. you know if you want to change an industry in a way you've got to bring a different industry mindset to i mean again not always throwing elon musk out there but you know he's not necessarily a space guy he's not necessarily a car guy right i mean he's he was making computer games in his early days you know like it, it's um i think that that disruptive new way of thinking is underrated and a lot of people stop themselves doing something new because they think they don't have the experience but not having that experience is exactly what makes you good at it right that's absolutely that's absolutely true you know i was i was um in meeting when daniel egg pitched spotify to us the early concept and then 
I met him again a few years later, and he said to me, if he if he if he had known how difficult it was going to be to you know to agree licensing terms with um, the record companies around the world, he would have never done it. So uh-huh. you need that innocence sometimes, and that mm-hmm. that courage and that tenacity to look at a problem, you know, with new eyes, and and you know, dedicate yourself to fixing that. And sometimes it actually helps to to have an outsider. It's no, it's another great point you're making here. I mean, ignorance is bliss. Yeah. I think sometimes people overanalyze to the point where they don't. That's why I have I'm quite negative on business schools because they spend so much time analyzing what people did. By the time people come out of business school, they're too scared to do anything. You know, they they know too much and they know how much hard work it really was and how much failure there was and and, and instead of like that kind of like. And I started a business at 15 years old, so it's, I didn't know anything. It's kind of good. Yeah. You know, you're not you're not jaded. Um, yeah. But if you if you uh, if you look back at your journey and and what you've you know you've experienced would you would you do it again or would you like no way i mean it must be quite complex what you're doing i mean like you data pulling and getting people to tell you what's in their product and be very clear about it that can't be an easy business to build no it was it was it was very it, it was very complicated to build um, but in many ways that that has given us our usp you know that that has made it defensible when i when when i first came up with this idea i assumed all i need to do is go to all the retailers get their data put it all in a database put a nice interface on top of it and then launch an app and it's going to be brilliant world world conquering <laughs> um, and then i went over uh, to one of our uh, retail partners tesco actually who now licensed our technology and we pitched the idea and the first thing the head of innovation told told me was great idea but don't expect to get the data from us because we don't have clean data ourselves but as soon as you solve the problem come back and then i went back and i went back to simon the cto um and i said look i think i've oversimplified the problem and he said no that's that's great news the more gnarly the more complicated the thing is the more defensible our proposition will be so mm-hmm. there are always hurdles as you know, you know it's just funny I, d- I just love i love uh, talking to other entrepreneurs because basically what I hear is the harder it is to do the better you know like this is you know, that's a great mentality for building any business isn't it because I think a lot of people they're like oh that I won't do that that sounds too hard you know like I'm not going to do that business and you know it's actually in the difficulty that that ma- that's what makes it exciting that's like, like you're saying that's what makes it defensible that's what makes it probably scalable once you, because no one else has solved the problem, right? It's um, so anyone listening right now, you know, l- l- learn from what Marcus is saying here. If you you you've got a problem in front of you that you want to solve and you know it's difficult, that's good news. That's good news, right? So, yeah. But how did you know it was working? What was the moment you're like, okay, you know, you had this idea, like you say, you went to see partners, you realized it was more complicated than it needed, so it's gnarly problem. Good team. So, but when did you know, hey, this is actually working? Did you have that moment? Um, with that, there are a couple of milestones in every um, startup's um, life cycle, right? The first one is when you get funded. That's a big hurrah moment because you realize others are buying into your idea and they're actually putting money and they're, put, you know, they're accept, accepting the risk to back you. The second big milestone is when when you launch a product and people start using it, you know, when you have, you know, when, you, when you're getting closer to product market fit, when you get feedback from users who say, wow, this is amazing, this, this has simplified my life, or, or this app is a lifesaver, which is what, what was, uh, was what one of our users emailed us in, and that just gave us so much um, 
the motivation to keep going. And then, of course, the next milestone is once you generate revenue, um, or even you know you turn a profit. You know those are big, big milestones. When when you start generating revenue as a business, then you know you're onto something. When you start generating profit, then you know you actually have a business. That's the difference between a startup. Profit seems like a dream, yeah. doesn't it? Like actually turning a profit. I used to always have this concept of like, if I could get a business to zero, I was a success. You know, like I, my costs uh, met my incoming. You know, like if you yeah. could, then it's like, hooray, we're sustainable. As soon, yeah. as, soon as that yeah. happens, right? It's a business, yeah. So I know part of what you're doing is, you know, uh, using tech, I guess, to promote healthy, uh, healthy life and sustainable choices. How, how does mm. that play out within within the business model? How do you how do you how do you make that happen? Well, uh, I mean, even before COVID, we were heading into a major um, obesity crisis or even a, a pandemic. You know, we're heading and we're still heading in towards a obesity pandemic. You know, two out of three adults in the UK are obese or overweight. And one in three children is obese or overweight. I mean, when I was young, that was, you know, that was pretty much unheard of, you know, obese children. Now it's one in three. It's a big problem. Also, not only because you know it's it's a major health threat, but again, in light of COVID, we've seen if you're obese or overweight, you're twice as likely to be hospitalized with COVID. Um, poor diet is now the second biggest killer worldwide. Um, and even Simon Simon Roberts, you know, the NHS boss declared poor diet a bigger health threat than smoking. So we have so we have to change the status quo but also consumers around the world in in our own service and in other service we've seen people actually want to lead healthier lives but most of them struggle you know only 70 percent want to lead healthier lives but only 15 percent succeed because it's too complicated and we see our role as a technology company in facilitating that that journey so we want to make it easier for you to find suitable foods you know and if you want to be healthier and you're looking at a pizza you're not gonna you're not gonna buy an apple instead you know that is that is one step too too far but if you're looking at a chocolate bar and we're gonna and we recommend healthier options to you you know chocolate bars with less sugar or less salt or higher higher fiber you're very likely to swap out for the healthier option and that's really what how our technology is being used it's being used to drive healthier eating habits and and hopefully lasting behavioral change because that's the hardest bit to change it's interesting i i think um like my son with his allergies i started reading what was in food because i had to understand everything that he might potentially eat and mm. and then you start understanding the numbers because it's very cryptic isn't it like the amount of sugar and stuff so i cut out sugar and uh, now when I have like a traditional chocolate bath every so often, you can mm. really feel it. It's so mm. potent. And, but you get so used to it, almost like your body gets numb to that. It's like caffeine in a way too, right? I mean, at one point in my career, I was drinking six cups of coffee a, a day. You know, it almost like it, it's, it's, it, you, you build up some weird resistance to it. So you don't even notice it anymore that, and yeah. what it's doing to your body, right? Yeah, it takes a while. It's surprisingly quick, though. We I go on to meditation retreats sometimes when when they always significantly change your diet. So they cut all salt, all sugar from your diet, and the first couple of days you 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 have such a craving. You start to detox. You you get headaches. But by by day three, 
you start to adapt to the new healthy diet and you feel great. You've got so much more energy um, and you don't actually miss it. You don't miss the sugar, you know, or the caffeine or the salt. Mm. But you're right. Most people are so used to eating a poor diet, they don't even realize what they're doing to their to their body. And even when you want to make better choices, how on earth? I mean, who, who wants to read, you know, packet, packet information? And how much sugar are you supposed to eat per day anyway? And what's your reg- recommended salt intake per day? It's ridiculous. Yeah, well, it's Why not even clear anymore. We, I don't think anyone really knows. I mean, people just eat whatever. I mean, I, this morning I, I, um, I walked into a bakery uh, in the village I'm in, and it's incredible. The choices, the food, I, I don't want it, but my brain says have it. They display it in a way as well that makes you want it. But none of it's got yeah. you know, um, displaying how much sugar's in it. It's got, none of it's got displaying even what, what's in it. You have to ask them what's in it to find out what's yeah. in it, which, I mean, that, that to me is also crazy. That, that's just, I can't believe that you can just sell this you know, high sugar high fat content products and right you know without labeling what they are i mean croissants and all those sorts of things but it, it's yeah. just it's just insane and they are they are designed to make you want them right so how, how do you through technology get people to uh, wake up to that i mean my listeners now for example a lot of them are entrepreneurs they might be eating badly because they're stressed mm. you know what's the process to get people to be aware of this problem well um I mean, you, you can start to actually monitor what you eat. You know, there, there are different tools like food diaries, but it, they're clunky. You know, and who wants to add up the amount of salt they eat, eat per day and then do an analysis at the end of the even week? if you can figure but it out. Like to my point, the bakery you can't even tell if you order a croissant from it. You got no idea what's actually in it. You can't put it into an app. No, in fresh food, or if you, if you go to a restaurant, you can't put it into an app either because even the chef probably doesn't know how much yeah. sugar is. Just chucked everything in there, and who knows, right? I think what we can do is, you know, at least we should allow people to sell, to set a preference, right? And that's how we work with retailers around the world. If you want to make health, if you would prefer healthier recommendations or eco-friendly recommendations, you know, you should be able just to select a preference. And then after that, your shopping experience is personalized. Because okay. what we also see is most people now are so aware of our impact on the planet they would like to be more eco-friendly right they would like to make more sustainable choices but how on earth do you know how on earth do you know what the carbon footprint of a can of coke is Mm. as a consumer you have no idea but again we believe that the answer is in making sense of data unstructured data and and then allowing people to have a more personalized experience based on their requirements that's a really interesting idea and you work with retailers to do that because i mean again i'm I'm always conscious i don't want to insult any of your customers but i i ordered a load of stuff today from mercado and it all is now marks and spencer's products right because they've done a deal again for my u.s listeners probably have no idea what i'm talking about but it's you know home delivery business and and they've now got a partnership marks and spencer's and everything from marks and spencer's is covered in plastic Mm. like everything avocados which have a natural outer shell on them all covered in plastic when it got delivered today you know, like yeah. it's um, so it's interesting. You can if you, you work with these retailers to give people the choice to avoid things like that if they wanted to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We allow we allow um, retailers to allow their shoppers to set preferences. So it would even show up on the shopping cart. It would only show what you know, what, what's available within your parameters. Yeah. Yeah, that's, after, that's it's great. Like, it's like a personalized um, shopping experience. And we can even, I mean, we even power interventions. If you do put something into your shopping cart for your son, for example, that is not compliant 
with its requirements, we can flag up that item right. and recommend suitable alternatives. I love the intervention point. That's good. I, I wish someone was with me at the bakery this morning and and could. St and it, you should get some app reps to stand in front of me and say, "No, Simon, don't get that croissant." You know, like <laughs> we need human intervention models. Yeah. You know, like um, that's where so a lot of these tech companies are going manual, right? It's like uh, I know that LinkedIn, for example, started actually having, of course, salespeople to sell their service and not just let the technology do it. So maybe you need to get like a bakery enforcement team in front. Of, just before you do that, you know. Anyway, that's the worst business idea I've ever given um, on a podcast show, I think. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's it's really important what you're doing, I think. And, and and what someone said to you earlier about saving lives, again, I can relate. I think your sort of business, your sort of product, will literally probably sell save my son's life one day. So, really crucial um, what you're doing. So, um, today where you, where you're at, what, what what do you see the future of your business being, and what's the next step for you guys? We want to we want to simplify food search and discovery wherever you are. You know whether you're shopping, whether you're cooking at home, um, or whether you're trying to find a restaurant. You know the dinner party scenario. You know if you invite ten people to a dinner party, even if you can eat absolutely everything, at least seven people will show up in some kind of specific requirement. Why can't Alexa or, or Siri respond to that? You know if I want to if I want the recipe for lasagna without salt, you know. No mushrooms and you know and and a vegetarian version of it. No search engine Siri cannot respond to that, and you know and and that's that's the use case we're trying to solve. We want to mm. we want to become a trust mark. You know, Spoonguru will recognize around the world and rely on to find accurate and reliable food choices for them. Mm. I think that's really forward thinking i mean voice activated stuff in general is big big yeah. you know i mean i'm, I'm scared to say it because i've got siri here if i say something he'll hear me and start uh, or she will hear me and start saying something back and interrupt us during the podcast but <laughs> but they're they're totally um they're, they're pretty useless at the moment i mean they can't even get my music choices right but uh, but i can see a future where yeah i mean i should be telling them what i want to order uh, food wise and it then gets delivered and it, and it should be helping me with feedback or oh, that item you just ordered Simon has got you know nuts in it you want to be careful for Aiden on that right that, yeah. that that's what that's what the series should be doing so um, mm. maybe maybe it'll be end up being called spoon we'll just get spoon to do it for us you know <laughs> but um, but look I've, I, I know I only have you for 20 minutes you've got a, a company to run um, and I, uh, with an important mission but I want to thank you Marcus for sharing your story sharing your knowledge love to have you back on because I'd love to actually talk about like co-founder dynamics and how you raise money and a few few more details around you know how, how you managed to do what you've done but so I'd love to have you back another time but I know we only have you for a short time today so I want to say thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your story with us thanks Simon it was great talking to you thank you if you found what Marcus had to say interesting, you can check out his company and what he's up to in the links below and go download his app and, and make your uh, life a little healthier and, and, uh, and understand what's in your food and what you're eating and how it affects you. So go, go download his app. And of course, you can also follow Marcus and connect to him on LinkedIn and so on and so forth. If you did find it interesting, then don't forget to give us a review or let us know in the comments if you have any questions. And next week, we do have an incredible guest. Um, and just to remind you as well, we are running a competition with TikTok at the moment. If you uh, want help to grow your business, we're giving you 5,000 pounds, 8,000 US dollars cash, 
Plus, we're giving you mentorship from 12 of the world's most successful entrepreneurs for two hours and marketing from TikTok themselves, QuickBooks, the largest account software company in the world, and my organization to help you get your business noticed and get your business help. And we don't want any equity. We don't want anything from you at all. All we want to do is help you and help small businesses right now grow. So if you want to get help from TikTok, from myself, from the entrepreneurs, you can go check out Be Your Own Boss on TikTok or on our website, Purposeful Project, and start getting help to grow and and, and scale and, and do what you want to do with your business. So go check it out. Thanks again for listening, folks. We'll see you next week. Recording stop.